This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Scott Goldbranson and Mo. All right, welcome back. Silver and Black Today, the post-game reaction show. Raiders come up short, 24-17, down at SoFi in Los Angeles with uh, what the television broadcast said was about a 70%, 70% Raider fan crowd, Raider Nation crowd in Los Angeles for this game. And the Raiders, man, they struggled. They came back, almost got there, and then uh, could not get it done as the rookie Aiden O'Connell throws the interception at the end there. Uh, joining me, as always, for this postgame show is my good friend Murph from Raider Fan Radio. We are talking about this one, and I want to go into this because I want to talk about McDaniel, because I, McDaniels because you talked about body language as we were in the last segment, uh, and and I get that, uh, and I, I see it as well. But again, we had suspect calls at various points of the game, even at the end when Devontae Adams seemingly had a touchdown. Now, it didn't, it didn't matter because Josh Jacobs ended up carrying the ball in and got the seven anyway. But there was nobody in that coaching staff that said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, throw the challenge flag. throw the, Because clearly, Devontae Adams was in the end zone. Now, could they have done it and lost it? Sure, they could have, but I don't think so. I mean, it was clear we saw that goal line view. Even the television broadcasters were like, that's a touchdown. Like, he's clearly over the line. He caught the ball over the line of, of playing the, the plane of the end zone. So I see that. Most of all, Murph, and here's where I'm going to get on my soapbox, because I can't believe it. You're down 24 to 10. And you get the ball back. You're in the fourth quarter. And guess what? There's no urgency. Nobody's rushing to the line. They're not running a two-minute offense. I know there was time left. But what happened in this game? They ran out of time. Had they had more time, I don't know what would have happened. If he still throws the interception on the goal line, it maybe still happens. I don't know. But I just can't believe two weeks in a row, you're down multiple scores. It's like, well, eh, let's roll up to the line. 
That's coaching. Why is there no urgency? I just don't understand it. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be any urgency behind him at all in any case. And and I'm with you on the game management. Like, it seems like it's lassidistical. It seems like it's laissez-faire. It doesn't seem like there's a sense of urgency. They don't seem to have a sense of urgency around the roster. There's a lot of things where they seemingly don't have a sense of urgency. And, And I'm with you, Scott. I don't understand it either. And when it comes to, like, okay, for someone who is so heralded for calling an amazing offense and won a lot of championships doing it, like, here we are. Uh, first and goal, and we're rolling out our quarterback that's not known for his mobility, and we're throwing to a corner of the end zone, and we're reducing it to half the fit. Like, in the meantime, Josh Jacobs is having the game of his life, you know, if not certainly for this season. But a first down, like, why are we not pounding the rock there? And mm-hmm. so, like, I look at these kinds of things, and they start to add up, and I, I mean – I will always be a fan of whoever's in the silver and black. You've, you know, you heard me on this show long enough, like, and whether I get accused of being a bootlicker or whatever the other things are that go out there, I'm a huge fan of Josh McDaniels. I want him to be the best coach in the National Football League. But as of right now, the optics are telling us otherwise. It's not good. It's not pretty. Like, you can, there's not even a good way to try to, like, spin it. Like, because it ultimately, again, it comes down to, it comes down to the demeanor, the body language. And again, that, that lack of urgency, like you, that's a, such a great way to put it, Scott, because I think it translates to multiple areas beyond just those things on the field. It's like everything has a freaking, like, just everybody's like, oh, okay. Well, or just, or as, as Josh McDaniels would say, uh, you know, you know, you know, like that's all he does. And I'm like, come on. No, we don't know, Josh. Figure this shit out. You're the, I'm sorry, Scott. Figure that's this okay. stuff out. You're the freaking the head coach of this football team. Like, let's get some oomph, man. Like, uh, I saw a graphic that came out uh, this week and it showed what Dan Campbell was in his first stage with the Lions versus what he's done recently. And when you look at that and you look at him, you look at a guy like Bob Sala, you look at the way mm-hmm. that these, these guys are passionate. They lead. They're they're leading from the you know from the from the front, man. Right. Like they're on the front lines with their guys, and they're bringing this intensity to their team. And even a guy like Mike McDaniel, who's more of a football nerd, he's not this big crazy former athlete or whatever, but he still leads with an intensity. Even yes. for a guy that's you, yeah. you can be chill and still have intensity to you. I don't sense anything from Josh McDaniels. I sense indifference and like you know and like that's a great point. Whatever. It's just I don't know, man. I don't I I don't see where it the, the longer this goes on, and the more we see what's going on with the Patriots now, and the more we see what's going on with Josh McDaniels and his second stint as a head coach. I'm sorry, it was Tom Brady. I, I'm fully convinced at this point, like the genius of Belichick and the genius of Josh McDaniels and all that, all that stuff was absolutely fueled and caused by the GOAT Tom Brady, because yeah. I don't see it independently on any level at this but, point. But I, that's, I mean, somebody that's tell the, me and convince me otherwise. But that's the issue, too. And I know I'm talking about coaching, and and I'm looking at the, the YouTube chat. Thanks for everybody for being in there. And I'm seeing people talk about, yeah, and, and our good friend Ariel saying you can't win with uh, with four turnovers or six four turnovers and six or eight sacks. Yeah, absolutely. That is 100% correct. But where I go back to the, the urgency is – you're behind. You're playing from behind again, right? Last year, they had the problem. They were ahead, and they would lose leads. This year, they're playing behind. They're not scoring. To re- realize tonight, they scored 17 points tonight, today, okay? That's more than they scored when they beat Denver. They are not scoring points, and I know they had the young quarterback in there. That's part of it. 
but you're seeing a regression. And when you're seeing a regression with the same amount of talent on the offensive line, you got Greg Van Roten on the right side. Veteran came over, very well respected. Not saying he's a pro bowler or even an all pro or anything like that. But you got better in some spots. We all knew the defense. The defense was going to be a work in progress. We knew that. They don't have enough talent there yet. But on offense, this was supposed to be a top 10 offense. And it's all regressed outside of Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, who who got better today, right? But he's still getting hit behind the line of scrimmage a lot. All this kind of stuff's happening. And so to me, that goes back to coaching. And I just say, are you getting... My simple question is, are you getting better? Even if you lose games, fine. But are you getting better? Do you lose a shootout with the Chargers? Okay. I expected it to be a shootout. I thought, well, they're going to come out. O'Connell will do okay. They'll mix up the play calling. So they, they give him enough to handle without giving him too much. Yeah, they'll stretch the field and go downfield a couple times because the kid's got a cannon, but that doesn't mean you're going to put all this pressure on him. They get behind for a lot of different reasons, and they can't they can't keep Khalil Mack out of the backfield. They can find no way to neutralize him. So what is the coaching staff doing? To me, this is game 21. You've seen what he does. You've seen the coaching staff. They, for some reason, can't get over the hump. I understand you need more talent, but to me... This is just solidifying. Now, it's early in the season, one and three. The chances of making the playoffs, very, very, very slim, okay? They had a chance to kind of turn the narrative today, Murph, and they just they just couldn't yep. get it done. Yeah, I agree. This was this was the chance. You know, we lose lose against the Bills team that, uh, you know, is, is, I mean, has showed today that they are, you know, going to be a Super Bowl favorite. Um, we lose a, you know, a scrappy game to the Steelers. It was a huge disappointment, obviously, yeah. uh, being such a huge rival of ours, but this is a team again, to go back. It's, it's the chargers. We know we can beat them. It's in LA. It's a home game. Like I'm not, you know, there's no excuses. Like, I don't know what the excuse is. You know, the time is there. You know, can they say that? Well, we didn't have our guy because we started the rookie. We start, I don't know. Did, if Jimmy G is under center, do does any do any of you and I can't read the chat? And thank you for everybody that's in there. Uh, <laughs> and I always go back and read it. So I'd love to hear your comments. But do you feel like if Jimmy G's under center today that you win that football game? I mean, I I don't think so. You know what I mean? Like, and and I don't think that going forward. Like, I'm telling you, y'all. I mean. Vegas has all those pretty lights uh, for a reason and all those free hotel rooms and, you know, $2 steaks. And uh, they're, they're, they're making their money on the Raiders not winning six games this year because that was the over-under. And I thought it was ridiculous. I thought it was ridiculous when they said it last year. Uh, yeah. But here, here we are. Sure enough, I mean, these are teams we should beat. Like the Steelers, we should have beat. Um, freaking, you know, the Chargers, we should have beat them. They were down. Like They were down. God forbid they'd have been at full strength today. You know, yes. you thought Khalil Mack had a day. What if Bosa's on the other side? I mean, Lord have mercy. They'd have had 12 sacks. Like, so, uh, you know, this team, I think, is a long way from winning. And I think 100, not 100% of it, but I think a majority of this stuff, it's, 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 uh, I've, uh, in terms of coaching staff now, it's lost me. I mean, yeah. the Ziggler, I think, gets a little bit more of a pass. Um, but in terms of the, of the regime and the, and, and the Josh McDaniels coaching staff, like, they've lost me at this point. Point. Patrick Graham's lost me a long time ago. Um, now the head coach has lost me as well. You know, even Carmen Brasillo, as much as we have sung his praises and the in the in the excellence that he has done in coaching on that offensive line. I mean, how do you look at a performance like this today and be like, you know, but again, I think you got to go to the top first before you look at the position coaches, even because sure. we've seen them at times do well, but it, the position coaches can only do with the talent that the freaking GM and the head coach supplies them with. And the, the, we went into this offseason 
you know, with a lot of people and, you know, you and Mo are all over it. Like you, the, the Raiders haven't done enough to address the deficiencies in talent on the defense at the offensive line. And guys like me who are ever long Raider apologists were going like, well, yeah, but they're the ones that look at them in practice every day. So mm-hmm. maybe they see something that we don't see as fans and we got to trust their ability to coach these guys up and blah, blah, blah. And all the other BS reasons that I tell myself that the Raiders, Raiders are going to be better every year. And sure enough, here we go. None of that stuff happened. And everything that you guys talked about in the offseason is showing up now like everybody like you know and, and i love your show and i listen to it all the time and i know a lot of people do but the guys that are like you know like like me that are like i'm just gonna look for the reason to to fan out about this thing so okay. to find a reason for the raiders to be good and i'm and i'm listening to you guys i'm like well hey scott mo like maybe we should think about these other things yeah no that, no you're right like <laughs> well, i was wrong and everybody else that thought like me was wrong because you guys called it out from day one and it was the absolute truth the raiders well, who whether that's well, Marf, josh and dave or, please well, Marf, I'm sorry, go ahead. The, no 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 here's the thing though like i i rather not be right clearly um because we we'd love, love to see raider nation happy number one number two though you're 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 talking about some of the reasons why this team is one and three and, and certainly the talent deficiencies and the question marks and all that stuff, no doubt about that. But again, who who is who is controlling? Who lead? Who is the CEO of the team on the field? And you have to look at that. Why is your offensive line regressed? Those guys didn't suddenly wake up and forget how to play football like they did last year for whatever reason. Now I know it was the same coach last year, but last year they seemed to be more cohesive. Yes, they struggled early on. They got better as the year went on. This year, it seems like, I mean, even Colton Miller, who I love as a player, good dude, the whole deal seems to be just overmatched anytime he's against one of the top defenders in the AFC. We saw with Buffalo, we saw again today with Cleo Mack, who was all over the field. So so to me, it's just, you at a point now where how can you, even if you had more talent, would it be achieving what it needs to? And I don't know that it would be because what they do have, they have a talented offense. And guess what? Again, we talked about it last show. Ah. Fifth highest paid against the cap offense in the NFL. Fifth, and, and, and you score 17 points against a Charger defense who has two of its best defenders out. I mean, I understand the rookie quarterback. Take a little bit back from that, and that's okay because he's going to make mistakes. But overall, again, all the money invested in this offense, and yes, Dave Ziegler has to be responsible for answering that question too. But more so on the field, the questionable motivation, the stuff we heard out of the locker room last week, the stuff we're hearing now, what we saw on the field, it's just not good. And I don't, I don't, I don't want you guys. Listen, we do better when the Raiders do better, right? As content producers, we do shows. And and frankly, when when the Raiders win, we do we do more people. More people watch us on YouTube, more people download our podcast, you name it. So we want the Raiders to win. But it's hard for me to tell to have a straight face in looking out there to Raider Nation, to the people I love so much who watch our show and support us and say it's gonna get better. Like, I don't know. I can't say that because I don't I don't have confidence in the leadership, especially on the field with the coach, to change the trajectory because they had an opportunity today. They were gifted a chance at the end there, okay? Many chances, actually, towards the end of the game, and they couldn't get it done. In fact, even Aiden O'Connell, fumbles, yes, interception, yes, he had more yards completions than Justin Herbert, and you lose the game, Right. So it's just crazy how this is all, it just doesn't seem like anything is going in the right direction. If you could find some things, defense got better tonight. We'll talk about that in the last segment. But overall, as a structure, as an organization, as a team, how can you look your fans in the face and say, oh, we're just, we just got to get better. You can't do that anymore. 
Scott, those are uh, those are amazing points, and I I think that the most uh, profound out of, out of out of that what you just had to say there was that if you know McDaniel's is supposed to be an offensive genius, he clearly has the talent on the field. Yes, the offensive line questions, um, but based on their performance of last year, certainly good enough to be protective of a quarterback and to drive the ball downfield. And the idea that we still haven't seen Hunter Renfro barely involved in the offense. We still, Mike, why do we draft Michael Mayer? Like what was the whole point of that? Um, <laughs> when we could have drafted somebody on defense, if we're not going to, if we're not going to use him. True. Um, like I'm with you that like, if you're not able to manage the strength of your team, how in the heck are we supposed to entrust you to manage through the weaknesses? And, 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 and being that Good our weaknesses are, are, are greater than, than few, like, I'm with you. That's an excellent point, and I think that that's probably the biggest indictment of Josh McDaniels' tenure so far with this Raiders team is that he can't even, you know, or he's well. I say he can't. I hate painting in broad strokes, but he's struggling to achieve in the areas in which he's supposed to be successful. That he's supposed to be, you know, a, a guru at, a you know, a, a expert at, and those things aren't even happening. So the other things are just gonna be that much worse just to be compounded and so yeah again i'm i'm deflated on this one scott like you know it's like you know like the different stages of grief right like last week was anger this one is freaking sadness and next week i'll just accept the fact that we suck but it's just like (laughs) man i'm just like well man but we're four weeks in i know we're barely getting going four weeks into a long season but i mean again you look at it and 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 we'll switch gears now to O'Connell because there's a lot, you know, of course, just like everything in the world today, everything is extreme. So everybody wanted Aiden O'Connell to start. Everybody thought, it was, I thought it was a good idea because why not see what you have? He starts, he has his struggles, and now he sucks and he's not the answer, right? There's no, there's never any in between. He did do good, some good things. He was 24, 39, 238 yards. Of course, the one interception and the, 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 the fumbles, three fumbles, two were lost. Uh, one was a blind. The first one, he brought the ball down. Okay, that's on him. The second one, he got blindsided by Khalil Mack. What's that? The tuck rule play. The tuck rule play. It was I almost. That's what I was saying to Corey. I said, "Oh my gosh, it's like it's like almost exactly the same play." Uh, yeah. But then the second one, Khalil Mack destroys Colton Miller and and hits him blindside. I mean, I don't. You can't blame a, a quarterback. I don't care if it's a veteran or a rookie for that fumble at all. And then of course the interception at the end. So so you look at that. And you think, okay, so you saw what he is. I thought, even despite the issues, he held the ball too long. He needs to do that better. That was not something we saw in the preseason, but welcome to the big leagues, Rook, because when you get into the real action against a first-team defense, I don't care if they're depleted or not, it's a whole different game. And so clearly, his decision-making overall was still pretty good. He had a couple bad throws. The one that Devontae Adams got hurt on was one that was way behind Devontae Adams, and that that really hurt him. So so that that was what I saw from Aiden O'Connell. But I also saw when the offense was moving before the playbook suddenly got skinnier. Uh, there just seemed to be better energy on that offense. Then they they get behind, and then the, the the playbook becomes a different thing, and they get more conservative. No plays of the tight ends except the one nice catch by Austin Hooper. You talked about Michael Mayer earlier. Not a lot of routes in the middle of the field. I don't understand why with a rookie quarterback. I get Devontae Adams is going to do his thing, and he's, you're going to find him. Jacoby Myers with a couple of nice grabs, too, including the one that was negated by a, a phantom penalty, in my view. But otherwise, I just don't see the scheming here, when you have a, especially when you have a young quarterback in there. He can sling it, yes, and it's good to go downfield. But did you understand that and think to yourself, 
Why aren't you doing more to put this guy into a position of success? What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, when you think about the way that like you get young quarterbacks going is that you build their confidence through short, quick passes, right? You get them open quick. And when we've got slot receivers like, you know, what Jacoby Myers could be if, if, if they put him in the slot, obviously what we have with Hunter Renfro, uh, we have two very capable tight ends. The, the tight end that we drafted, I just mentioned, was supposed to be like the, the, his strength coming out of Notre Dame wasn't blocking. It was catching the football. And we had joked about him being baby Dave, like Dave Casper, because he wore 87 and he's out of Notre Dame. And that was his ability and being that we, okay, we lost Darren Waller, but we're now bringing in another pass catching, a very capable pass catching tight end. Like And like, those are the ways that you build rhythm. And it's like, we saw him kind of almost do that on his own with his connections with Josh Jacobs because he had a great connections with Josh. I mean, Josh Jacobs had a great day today uh, and especially catching the football. And those were the seemingly quicker passes that were coming out. But I'm with you because those were like, okay, everything else is covered. So I'm going to dump it down to Josh. Like, why isn't it that we weren't scheming for those things? I mean, He's got a bigger arm than Garoppolo, so I, I don't think, you know, unless they were doing the same things like they do to Jimmy where they just press the line of scrimmage, and I'm not a tape guy, and I'll have to depend on, on those of you that study <laughs> film to, to explain this to me later on, but were they pressing the line of scrimmage, uh, and, and were they not worried about the threat of a deep ball going downfield, and so therefore you take that underneath stuff away, or was it just not schemed into it? I don't know what it is, but... I'm a knucklehead in my bonus room that does a podcast. I'm not an offensive genius that's the head coach of a football team. I would trust that that guy should be able to figure it out. And 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 I'll and I'll, this is I think the most the most perplexing things to me about this Josh McDaniels tenure and his ability to call a game, a play in play out is his inability to adjust. I mean, I, I it still yeah. blows me away when I when we and I've I've said it before and and I think that it's the hallmark of those great Patriots teams was their ability to change not only in game, but week to week, one week, they would beat you with tight ends. One week, they would beat you with wide receivers. One week, they would beat you with the running game. One week, you know what I mean? One week, they would oh, beat yeah. you with, with, with slot guys underneath. It was like they would find out what, what was the thing about Bill Belichick. They will, he will find out what you're good at and take it away, and then he will take advantage of the thing that you're weak at. And that's what, he, that's what their whole philosophy was on offense. We hadn't done that at all with Josh McDaniels right. at the helm. So right. I'm with you. So, like, did he not set up Aiden O'Connell uh, to be his best today? I don't know. That's, again, hard to say. people, you explain it to me, yeah, because yeah. it certainly didn't look like, at least not optics to this fan. Yeah, we'll have to look at that. And I know we'll talk about it on our show, as you probably will, midweek when you, by the way, go subscribe to Raider Fan Radio, where you can watch uh, Murph and the team, Jeff, and, of course, Michelle, who's on in the chat behind Michelle. It's good to see you. Hope uh, hope you're not uh, drinking too much over the loss. Uh, but also, Johnny Johnny Tillwins, like Josh McDaniels isn't creative. It's kind of getting to your point about adjustments. Now, I thought he was actually creative on offense to start the game, but again, it gets back to the criticism that we've heard of. Is like, well, when he scripts it, it's great. Like he he gets creative. Yes. We saw some misdirection going on early on, and then it tails off, and then it's gone. 
Yeah, when he's got weeks or a week to prepare, then yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I forget what the graphics are, and uh, or at least the, the statistics, but what the Raiders are, and like the first like the scripted plays versus the non-scripted plays, and like when you look at the scripted plays, like they're great. Yeah. Like so, if you ask the guy to go up and drop a play on the chalkboard, like we're awesome. But when it comes to that again, those in-game adjustments and that ability, like that's where we just we freaking it it, it falls apart for us, you know, and and so. When we, when you look at other coaches around the league and either even previous head coaches of the Raiders, like they had that ability to adjust on the fly and to you know whatever to, I mean, I mean can't get more legendary than Al Davis, you know, in terms of like we're not going to take what the defense give or what the, the other team is going to give us. We're going to take what we want. We're going to dictate to you what we do. We're not going to freaking just take what you give us. And I feel like this Raiders team is kind of always playing on their heels, just trying to like kind of take what we're given. And that's just, that's not a recipe for success in today's NFL. I mean, or in any version of the NFL, frankly, like, you know, you got to be the aggressor. And again, that's where I go back to like some of those defensive plays that we made. Like it was nice to see the Raiders being the aggressor. Well, where are we the aggressor on offense? Like, exactly. I don't know. Like where, 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 where are we? pushing and dictating you know we don't do it it doesn't make a lot of sense and that that's what gets frustrating and even watching and covering the team it's just a it's hard to see and again i know everybody's out there wants to fire the coach that's what always happens when there's a losing streak or whatever but it's just getting harder for me to look at a team and again for everything i said before before your answer there about why i'm concerned with what mcdaniels is doing is that it's about leadership okay you don't have enough talent. You get beat by a better team. Okay. The Bills beat you. Now, you could have probably played that game a little better. But nonetheless, you get beat by a team that's clearly superior than you in almost every position. Okay, that's fine. You get it. You move on. You understand that. You learn. But when you are getting beat like they're getting beat over the last six games going back to last year, it starts to snowball. And again, this is where you start to see people question whether or not you have the right person leading you. It's a natural human emotion to say, wait a minute, I'm coming in every day. I'm busting my ass. I'm going out there. I mean, you saw that cutaway that's now all over X.com of early in the game when Max Crosby's sitting and you could see in his face dejection, right? Which is unusual for Max Crosby. And of course, yes. he went on to just dominate his side of the game, of course, the rest of the way. But you saw his face. And to me, that's like, Wow. To see a guy like that, even if it was for a two-moment period in the game and then he fired it back up, it's still concerning to see somebody of that caliber have that look because, again, it could be we wherever you work, you, if you start to have a manager or a leader and it's just like, man, working hard and we get nowhere, it starts to wear on you. It starts to wear people down. And even the defense towards the end of the game, you could see it. You could see their body language, as you talked about. You could see them just shoulders kind of forward. And even though they made some nice plays, it was you, it's evident that they're just not able to get home on what they're practicing, on what they're drilling on. It's just not working for them. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I mean, aside from something miraculous happening here, I don't see a recovery here from a leadership perspective. I mean, it, it's it's seemingly going one way at this point. And that's, you know, and we've seen, those of us have been Raider fans long enough, we know what this looks like, man. Like, it's, <laughs> you know, when it, it, it starts to go, like, we can we can try to talk our way through it and we can, you know, listen to these press conferences and, and, and try to dissect things that are positive and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, like, when when losing, when you're, when you're on this type of a losing streak, 
it can't do anything but harm the psyche and and yeah. and and damage the trust and the faith that 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 these men have in their leaders and their leader, you know, McDaniel's. And when he doesn't, you know, when I, here and again, here's the difference when we look at like Josh McDaniels and his lack of success early versus a Dan Campbell and his lack of success early. And I forget what his his record was in his in his first couple seasons. And 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 I, and I wish I had that stuff handy. It was like four like, and nineteen, if I recall. Right. And now they're what, like 14 and three or whatever in the last however many games, like whatever the thing is. But like even in those times of losing, you saw a passionate coach go to the podium. And I know that you can't live on emotion. I understand that and that because yeah. emotion is fleet. But but you don't ha- but you can be passionate and be consistent at that. And we saw passion coming out of Dan Campbell every press conference. You saw passion out of his players that they they were had faith in their leadership. They had faith in their coaching and they knew they were going to get better. Everyone knew everyone in that Detroit locker room knew that team was on the right path and they were all going to be better. And ultimately what happened, it manifested and they were, you point to me, not you, Scott, but the proverbial, (laughs) you point to me to the players in the Raiders locker room that are confident. This thing is turning around. They're confident that if they keep sticking to it, they're going to have better success in the future. That's not, I can't, I haven't seen one player yet. All I hear is trust the process. We got to get better. We got to execute. Not one of them demonstrates or, or is demonstrative, at least in their comments, that they have faith in their leadership. And that to me is the big difference. Not that you got to be a big raw, raw guy like Dan Campbell is and to be a big buff badass like he is. But in terms of a leader of men, you got to have that to where you, you you build that faith into the into the folks that you're leading so that they can carry out your vision. And that's we're so far from that right now in Raider Nation. <laughs> well, so again, it, that's why it, it like reminds me like, I don't know. A lot of comments about the Patriot way not working, and and you can't argue with it because, again, you talk about Detroit, the guy who was before Campbell, which was Matt Patricia. This seems a lot like that situation. It also seems like, as I had a couple people who cover the league uh, text me during the game, it's like, man, this looks a lot like it did in Denver when Josh McDaniel. And I had one guy tell me, I just don't believe he's changed. And so you start to hear that kind of stuff from people who've watched it for a long time. And you're like, mm, man, it's not, it's not good. Uh, by the way, I want to give a shout out to Ruben 12 Raiders 499 Super Chat, which goes right to the One Nation Foundation. So thank you for that, Ruben. We appreciate it. Even in a loss, he's feeling giving back to Raider Nation. Uh, and we'll, we'll give Murph will tell you about, if you're unfamiliar with the One Nation Foundation, we'll close out the show. He'll tell you some more information about that. We're going to take our final break. Thanks to everybody in the chat. There's so much going on. I can't. I can't answer it all, uh, but we'll get to you in a second. We're going to close out talking about the little defense and then some final thoughts. Uh, By the way, you are listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. We're coming back right after this.